0: Hey everybody, Josh Wigler here with another Mr. Robot interview podcast for you today as we're still wading through the aftermath of season three. It is still over and we are, we've gotten started, but we're still going. Um, I'm really excited about today's show. It's a really fun conversation, I think, that's coming your way. We've been really fortunate to talk to some of the talented people involved in the making of Mr. Robot here on this podcast, like our latest show with Omar Metwali, who plays Santiago or played Santiago, rather. We've talked to writer producer Cora Adana. Take a drink as well. Uh, but today today's really a biggie, uh, even though he would have you believe he's just a small cog in the Mr. Robot machine. We know otherwise. Uh, today's podcast is the man behind the blue murder gloves himself, Martin Wallstrom, a.k.a. Terrell Welch. Can you believe it? Uh, well, I wasn't able to believe it until just a few minutes ago when I hopped off the phone with him. Uh, so the interview is real, it happened. Uh, and he was an absolute delight. Nothing like the guy he plays on TV at all. Uh, Martin had a lot of great insight into the creation process of Mr. Robot, his thoughts on Terrell as a character, the season at large. All of it. I'm really excited for you guys to listen in. I think if you're a Robot fan, you're really going to enjoy this show. Um, Of course, we still have our full Deep Dive Recap podcast that's going to be coming your way in the next couple of days. It has not even recorded yet. Um, I'm going to be back with Antonio Mazzaro soon to do a full rundown of the Season 3 finale. He's still on the mend getting there. Uh, So we're taking your feedback on that show as well. Plenty of time to send that our way. PostShowRecaps.com slash feedback or Mister Robot at Post Showrecaps.com is our email address. So send us your feedback, your questions, your comments, any observations you have about season three's finale or season three overall, we'll take them and we'll chew on them and we'll give you uh, we'll give you our musings in our next podcast. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss that episode and any others we're able to come uh, we're able to bring your way. Uh show recapscom slash robot, that's the way to do that. Also, tune in, thr.com slash mister Robot. That's where I've got all of my Hollywood reporter stories with all of the people involved with this show that we're posting. Posting over there. Um, so with all that business out of the way, I shall stop rambling at least by myself, and I will start rambling towards Martin Wallström. I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation. All right, here is a man that needs no introduction from me. Uh, although I just have to have to start things off by saying, because when am I going to get the chance, Bonsoir, Martin. <laughs>
1: That was great.
0: <laughs> was that did I do all right? Is that a decent decent enough bonsoir? I don't know what the key that is. Was,
1: um, me neither. I, it's it's just it's so um, <laughs> it's such a funny phrase. If, um I, I
0: feel like sometimes like you you like you have to hang on to like the r like there's like a bonsoir aspect to it.
1: Yeah, I, I remember we did the pilot and and Nils Arden uplev He was the director, and Sam was there too, and we. We have this in I think it's, it's the end of of the pilot and Elliot comes up to this conference room and Terrell leans into into frame and he says bonsoir Elliot and and we talked about not to do it as bond villainous like bonsoir Elliot right um so it was more like bonsoir Elliot um but I, when I'm thinking about it it's like. During the seasons it's it 's gone more and more towards the bond villain stuff <laughs> um, so maybe I'm, I'm creating my own cliche I don 't know but that kind of fits with sort of the
0: trajectory of mr. robot to a certain degree we're like yeah this is definitely a show that remains really grounded and I think that's one of the reasons why people love this show so much is that so much of the you know the like the the cyber warfare and just the computer hacking has such an incredible level of expertise behind it but we're also Ooh. getting into the this territory where like White Rose is a Bond villain at this point, you know, like White Rose has like, you know, that, you know, paradise type of a bunker in like the, some sort of tropical Island and maybe has some sort of time travel collider machine. Who the heck knows what's going on there. So there is this kind of like increasing feeling of a larger than life quality to Mr. Robot.
1: Absolutely. And, And I think it's very interesting. You mentioned, um, it feels so grounded, in terms of that, the characters can be really, like, elevated sometimes. They're very, um, yeah, larger than life.
0: So I'm catching you uh, on a on a Thursday after the Mr. Robot season three finale has aired in your neck of the woods. You're in Sweden right now, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. what what did you think? So you don't get to watch these things early. You're like the rest of us. You just have to you just have to see how this all came together. Is it always a surprise to watch how a Mr. Robot episode comes together, even though you're filming the thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I actually I, I thought about it because um I watched the last episode, um, on my phone, um, and I was in my car actually just, just sitting just because I got it and I had to watch it before, um, before we started talking. And then it struck me that like six and a half, six and a half months earlier, I was in my car listening to a table read over the phone. Uh, on the exact same episode, because I was in Sweden when we did the first table read. So that kind of journey it's just struck me, wow, I heard this six and a half months ago, and now I'm looking at it on my phone, and it's coming together. So it was just like, wow, it, all that work it takes to get something, to get it done. It's, it's just unbelievable. And I mean, I'm always surprised when I see like how stuff ends up.
0: Yeah. Well, that's something that you, you know, you had tweeted about this a couple of weeks back that I thought was, it was just so great to see this from a cast member of the show. And in talking to a bunch of you guys for, you know, the interviews that I've done along the way, I always get this feeling, you know, that you don't always get this from people who are involved in a project that like, if they're, if they're hyping up a project, sometimes it feels like a put on, but it never feels like a put on with you guys. Like it really does feel like you genuinely really enjoy the material. And this is what you had written online was that you had just seen two episodes of Robot. And I know No, I'm not objective, and I'm not talking about me. But my God, it's so good. I feel honored just watching it—the tension, the look, writing, acting—how specific it is, and the love it's been created with just astounds me. Um, And I and I do feel like you know when I've talked to you in the past, and like even talking to you now, uh, I do get the sense that that's that's very genuine. I think that you are very genuinely uh, enamored with the with the with the product of Mr. Robot when you get a chance to see it, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of other projects, it's like. I just wait for looking at, okay, how did this scene end up? And of course I do that with, with robot too. But like, after I saw those two episodes, I don't think I was even in like, maybe it was five and six or something. And just, just the feeling of like, this is, it's so good. I'm so like, I'm just honored watching this. Um, and not even caring if I'm in it. It's just, it's, um, yeah, sure. It was, it's, Genuine and and you're right. I mean sometimes you read those things and you feel it's just a push for something. But I mean, it's just something I'm I'm, I'm really honored just to be a small part of it. It's it's um it's it's so great and just watching it and, and knowing all these people, the writers, the the, the crew and, and knowing that everybody puts that the amount of work everybody puts into it. Um and, and the result that comes out of it, it's just, it's amazing.
0: I like that you called yourself a small part of it when you're Tyrell Wellick,
1: which is kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But, I mean, there, there are like there are many, many characters um, over, let's say, I mean, this season that has so, everybody has so much effect on the story. Yeah. If you go to Leon, to Irving, White Rose, Grant, um, Angela, everybody... Um, will affect the story in in, in major ways now. Um, sure, like season one and the first episodes, you can feel, well, Terrell, he is affecting Elliot. But now it's like we're all pawns and, and affecting each other in, in a way that is like suddenly you have a character stepping in, as we saw, like in the end of, of episode 10, you have someone stepping in, which we know have had, like, a great impact in, in the past. Right, so, Fernando Vera you're talking about. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So being a small part, I think maybe we're, the mo- most of the characters, we are small parts of it, but we all have the ability to, to make, like, to to do big stuff with it. As we saw Terrell, he he sort of made his plan, um, like, he, he did something really big, And affected everybody else and like, I think every character has that ability.
0: So give me just your kind of broad strokes feelings on having watched the finale and seeing how season three has all come together and knowing like your piece of the journey that you were on, but seeing it all come together, just what are your overall takeaways having just been so fresh from, from watching this episode, which you weren't even in. So I wonder like, Mm. did that even give you a little bit of a, like a detachment to watching it and just really being able to dive into it and enjoy it?
1: No, I think I mean, since I've read the scripts, <clears throat> I was really eager to see how like <clears throat> the big thing in the barn and, and um um Santiago going down and, and all that, I was I was really interested to see how, how that was gonna be. I mean, I think this season has been the the pace the pacing of it has been um really, really nice to see and then like the characters, like uh, Bobby Cannavale coming in and 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 adding the touch of Irving, which I really like. He has this lightness and this sort of comedy touch, and um, a part of that character has some comedy to it. Uh, although he is he's really grounded, I think that added a lot. And um, yeah, I think this season, I've actually been, been I think that this season, I've been more able to see it as a whole yeah um more than i saw episode uh, season one and two maybe because now we're all sort of into it and and this universe is starting to develop uh, something of its own and maybe that's what i wrote in that tweet too that i'm like now i can step back and and really look at it and on all these characters coming to life so yeah i i think that's that's a lot of it uh season three for me yeah
0: I think that there's, you know, and it's something that, you know, Sam Esmail has talked about and other writers and everybody really involved in the show is just sort of like this propulsive quality to season three, that there's this just tremendous sense of forward momentum and things moving kind of at a, at a breakneck pace. And I think that that was really noticeable throughout the season, especially with, you know, sort of the middle section with like uh, everything that was going on with stage two and the fallout from that and just the, like, the level of catastrophe that occurred with, you know, thousands of people across the, the country and the world of Mr. Robot killed in an instant. Um, mm. And I think that also something with the speed is something that that is talking about a lot right now in that there is a there's a sense of seasons two and three sort of serving as Act 2 in sort of a three-act structure of Mr. Robot, that if the first season is kind of establishing what the story is, then seasons 2 and 3 were kind of like, you know, really sort of the heart of the matter. And now that season 3 is closed, and it ends in this way where Elliot is undoing the 5-9 hack, and things feel like maybe they're going to get a little bit more personal in terms of setting the sights on the top 1%, you know, the Philip Prices and White Roses of the world that it kind of feels like we're, we're getting into endgame territory. You know, we're kind of mm. into into Act 3 a little bit. And I think Sam has even talked about how he imagines it as a, as a five-season arc at most. So for you, have you felt that, like, in terms of, you know, engaging the story and being in the thick of it? Like, do you feel like you guys are starting to move closer to something of a conclusion?
1: Yeah, as you said, I mean, Elliot... Being able to undo the five nine, of course, that's that's a big key of um, of, of the whole story. Um, trying to undo something he wanted to create, um, but then I mean, I'm just so used to it. this this universe and and the robot, like the whole robot universe, can take very like the turns are quick, um, and stuff you wouldn't expect um, will happen. And and that's, to me, that's like what I love about it. The fact that, I mean, I don't know anything about season four. Yeah. Not anything. And I don't think many people do. And, and I remember we were shooting season one and we were in Denver, uh, Carly, Portia, me and Sam. And we... All of us were like, "Sam, tell us something about uh, season two. <laughs> tell us something. We're right. in a car together for like forty five minutes. And yeah, he, he looked at you it. and
0: he was like, "Martin, so you're not in it." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so he wouldn't say anything so so to us, it's always like it's it's as exciting for us as as the fans, I guess.
0: Yeah. So in terms of that, I, I guess I would just love to sort of get the, a little bit of um, some insight into the creative process. So do you really kind of live season by season? Because I know it's not episode by episode where, you know, when you enter a season, you have the season's worth of scripts. They're already written. So like you can start to kind of like process what the arc of your character is going to be for that year. But like mm. when you're in season two, you don't know what's coming your way in season three and you've finished season three and now you don't know what's coming your way in season four. Is that kind of... of the way of it
1: yeah exactly and i've sometimes i've talked about it in terms of as an actor you always if you do a play or you do like a film or anything you love to you want to see your whole arc but here it's sort of it's sort of a relief that if i'm in season two and i'm talking to price um and i'm i'm confident i'm lying to him and then in season three, we'll see. Well, he wasn't lying. So, all those small choices you make as an actor, sometimes it's it's really nice not knowing. Am I truthful? Is this it? Um, Terrell talking about his father. Uh, I mean, we don't know that much about him or stuff like that. So sometimes it's 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 really nice not knowing. I like it.
0: So I'd love to dig in a little bit in terms of the journey of Terrell this season. And especially uh, it, it was especially exciting because you'd been away for so long in Season 2 where they, there was like a lot of really fun, creative uses of, of your character mm-hmm. where I know it probably wasn't a, a true delight to be spending time in the trunk of a car. I hope that was just for a few minutes here and there.
1: I loved, I loved that episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <clears throat> when I read it, When I read it, I was like – I I think I emailed Sam. And and being in that world and seeing the cameras they use to get the right look and and the green screen thing, I think – it's one of the best memories from, from these three seasons.
0: Yeah. I remember talking yeah. to, to Carly Chaykin around the time of that episode, I think. And she was talking about how it was like a swelteringly hot shoot. Cause you guys were like inside and there was a lot of green screen. And it was like kind of uncomfortable. Was it uncomfortable? Do you remember that at all?
1: Mm, I think, well, I think maybe we discussed more about how are we going to act in this? Cause <clears throat> It's a sitcom. And apparently, as it's written, Elliot is the only one who's not enjoying or playing by the rules of the sitcom. (laughs) Right, right. So the rest of us, we had to be like the characters in a sitcom. And that was pretty to me. I talked about with Sam about it because I have to be. Um, kidnapped and I have to be running away, scared for my life. They're grabbing me. So question being, am I scared for my, like, am I really scared that they will kill me? Um, Am I running away for real or is it as if, um, so that was like the tone. I didn't, I didn't have much in that episode, but it was, it was interesting just talking about what's the tone here. Because we have to we have to play the sitcom thing, or else Elliot's whole thing will just fall apart. Um, so that's very interesting, and I, I, I there are some um, more episodes in that style I'd love to do, um, but I'm not going to talk about them because because then I know the writers. Um, or or Sam they might not want to do them. You
0: don't want to jinx it. <laughs> so you're in the trunk of a car for an episode in season 2. You come back for, you know, the season 2 finale and we re- we we realize that Terrell is is not dead. He's alive and he's really involved in what's going on. And then season 3 is a really big storyline for Terrell where we see just how involved he is. He is uh, you know, in large part responsible for the cyber bombings and then uh, gets the whole PR spin of from hunted to hero where it's made to look like he uh, you know wasn't you know a mastermind here and it's a really impactful and kind of uh, harrowing story and I wonder if you think does it it have the same impact that it ends up having if Tyrell is more of a a presence in season two do you think that the absence of that character was almost critical to sort of the impact of him in season three
1: Hmm. well I mean I know that a lot of people wondered, okay, and and most of all, it was like Elliot. He was wondering, what did I do? Where is Terrell? Who's behind this? So in terms of of that story, I think, yes, it was good that Terrell was absent. Um, But sure, yeah, I think season three, I don't think it would have had and especially, of course, episode three, where we see where he was, uh, of course, wouldn't have that impact um, without the absence. Um, and and again, I think I, what I like about Sam and the writers and, and and the whole robot universe is that they they're not afraid to make these bold moves, um, removing a character like that. Or um, yeah, we've all seen people coming and going and, and, and all the unexpected things. And that's what I love about it. Um, all these bald moves.
0: Yeah. So we, we have this moment where, uh, where obviously Tyrell has, uh, he's, he's, you know, coming up with the with the plan to unleash the, the cyber bombings. We don't know what it is at the time, but we see the fallout of it. And Tyrell is not, like, an innocent character by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Even through season one, he's a pretty dark guy and he kills Sharon Knowles, so we know that he has blood on his hands in that way. But were you surprised at all by, like, the the extent of the damage that he was willing to wreak? You know, thousands of people killed in these attacks. And, like, we have to at least partly point some fingers at, at Terrell, right? Like, is that a hard mm. thing for you to, to reconcile your character's capability of so much destruction or did that feel in line with who you were playing?
1: Yeah, I, I, you're right. I mean, cause it's, it's such a, it's like, it's a huge thing killing that many people and, and, and doing all these things. And, and I guess I had to just think about, okay, he's put himself in this situation um, where he 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 basically only has one choice to, 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 to become a free man again. Uh, and then he realizes, well, the guy I'm working with, he's working against me half of the time. Um, so just, I mean, all these excuses you must make for like, it's going to happen anyway. Um, if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it. Um, they'll never catch me or whatever. um, so sure, yeah, it's it's like okay, I have to be responsible for this—the the death of five thousand four hundred uh, and eleven and twelve—and with Sharon Knowles' people. Um, <laughs>
0: Not that anyone's keeping score or anything like that. Ah, exactly. <laughs>
1: um, but um, but also, I think what we were striving for, and what I th- what I find in the writing is that you have a character; he has done all these horrible things. But hopefully people will, when he comes home and discovers that it's for real, she's dead and my, my son's gone. And, and when Santiago tells him that people will actually feel something for him, um, that's what I hope. Because that's, that's, that's what writing is aiming for, I think.
0: So how much do you think that, you know, losing Joanna has just kind of ripped his world apart? Because it's so fascinating that the the show begins with this character, like, all that he wants in the world. He says it to to Elliot is, I'm going to be the youngest CTO in E-Corp history. And Mm. as we're leaving the season, like, he's achieved that dream. But only after killing thousands of people, uh, being, Mm. you know, on lockdown for months and months and months. Fighting to get back to his wife and his child, and now Joanna, he comes to realize, is dead, and his baby is gone from his life as well. Just like it's so interesting that everything he ever wanted, he's mm. he's gotten that thing, but in in order to get that thing, he's lost everything that he secretly loved. You know, like mm. did did that strike you in cer- in terms of the arc of the character?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, it's I think this is of course it's to an extreme with, with killing that many people. And, and, um, but I guess it's like a genie in a bottle. You, you, I mean, be careful what you wish for or whatever. And, and, um, but sure. Yeah. I, I think it was pretty, pretty, um, surprised that he was willing to go to that extent, um, to get what he wanted. Um, and, and, I'm I'm really interested to see where this will take him cuz he's not I don't know how much else he has to lose at the moment.
0: I think that that is probably the scariest thing that I could hear <laughs> right now yeah. is like a Terrell Welk with nothing to lose seems mm. like a really dangerous character is that a Is that a version of a character of the character that you would really be eager to play uh, like do you think that he could potentially be you know we've seen him in some pretty low lows like do you imagine mm. that we haven't even seen his rock bottom
1: Well, I think now we have a very clear picture of who his enemies would be and that would be the first time i think that he, he would have someone specific to to aim all that uh, towards but hey who knows what's going to happen and maybe he'll he'll, he'll go to tibet and, and find himself in a in a Monastery or something <laughs> that
0: would be different. You never know. <laughs> you never know, uh, but I, I think that that's interesting because you know the the enemies that are kind of coming into focus is we know um, you know Mister Robot and Terrell were kind of talking in your character's last appearance in the season mm. about how we're just pawns and we're you know we're being used and uh, like our revolution has been co opted by the dark army uh, and there's also you know Philip Price who's coming in and making Terrell you know, giving him the promotion, but also making him feel like, you know, like six inches tall in the process, you know, like really making him feel like, yes, you got what you wanted, but, you know, you don't really have what you want. You're just a puppet. And at the same time, we have seen from this character in the past how he has talked about how we're going to be gods together. You know, we're going to be, uh, you know, the most powerful people in terms of executing on the 5-9 hack. So in on on one hand, everything that he has ever wanted. Wanted is to be a god, and yet now, do we kind of find him in a place you think where, like, rather than wanting to to, to be a god, he kind of wants like vengeance against these so-called gods, like the top one percent that Elliot himself has been
1: targeting. Sure, I mean, I think that's a. Um, it's so hard to to sit here and and do all the. I mean, guess because um, it's. I mean, how things are going to end up who knows, but sure. I think that he joined, I mean, he joined, um, F society and, and, and their struggle of very egoistic, um, reasons. Um, but now, I mean, yeah, maybe he's the definition of a loose cannon. Um, and someone might want to use him just to aim somewhere. Um, and that could be yeah sure the one percent
0: yeah and I mean that's even that's even what Mr Robot is talking about it's like we just kind of have to bide our time and like get a get our, get our footing straight and like this could be you know you as CTO could be a really great foothold in the next steps of of everything we want to do so mm-hmm. it'll be fun to see where where all of that shakes out. Um, In terms of uh, the character's relationship with Elliot, uh, you know, leaving season two, there is that declaration of love that I love him that Terrell says about Elliot. Uh, And he even says in season three in that fantastic scene that you have with wallace sean which must have just been an incredible incredible experience just that alone um you know you have that moment where you say i'll always be loyal to elliot Mm -hmm. and and shortly afterwards you know terrell realizes that elliot isn't always elliot like he's not always the guy that he fell in love with how do you think that that like impact sort of this, you know, and who knows what kind of love it is, but like sort of this love story that has been told between these two characters, you know, by the end of the season, in the way that you were playing it, how did you imagine Terrell viewed Elliot just uh, like completely like, um, I don't know, disappointed by this guy almost?
1: Well, I think it's, we have a scene in um, the basement of Red Wheelbarrow when Terrell discovers that robot and Elliot uh, Angela, uh, no, Angela tells him in in the first. Um,
0: uh, I think it's after when when he's yeah. yeah when he's been shot right and he's like watching exactly. him in surgery.
1: They're different persons, and and then I think when Terrell when they're at the new um, the below Red Wheelbarrow, and um, when he says, um, "I once thought we were gods, but now I see how inferior you are, like a cockroach." Um, I think that's, I mean, it's just love turning hate. And I think, I mean, he blames Elliot for so many of these things. He could have, he was forced, I think in trails head, he was forced to find that solution that killed that many people because of Elliot uh, and Robot. So I think it's, it's very contradictory but what he feels now because suddenly maybe he's on... They're on the same team again, and maybe he just has to learn to adjust to this new Elliot, and, and that'd be interesting.
0: It's also kind of interesting that, you know, he can blame Elliot for a lot, right? Like, he can blame him for the things that, that you're talking about now, that, like, you know, by ruining uh, the plan, like, you're forcing—you've forced my hand to to enact this really terrible, terrible attack. But at the same time, like, the thing that's so personal to him, losing Joanna, like— can he blame that? Like, who can he blame that on? You know, it, the, the, the guy is, is, you know, a scorned lover. It's not like the Dark Army organized this thing. Does he, does he like take, does he own some of that? Do you feel like, you know, when he's coming home and you're playing that scene uh, where you see, you know, like the purse on the couch and you see, you know, the bassinet nearby and you're just breaking down and crying and seeing, you know, the scope of what you've lost. Like, who, who do you feel, like, is he, is he feeling like he owns the responsibility for losing his family in that moment?
1: I mean, of course, somewhere he does. But as I know the character, I think he, he it would it, it, be easier to go and find someone else to blame. Um, but sure, I think deep inside, he knows that this was everything that happened was his choice, but I think it's it's very hard for him to to admit that, and he has a harder time
0: sh- facing the mirror, like actually yeah. looking and seeing what's reflecting.
1: I think so, yeah, and I think he he'd be eager to find someone to blame. Um, um,
0: how how much fun was it to put the uh, the blue murder gloves back
1: on this season? So <laughs> it's, it's
0: a signature look.
1: <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> that was great. I was um, when I read that. I was really happy because who knew that he'd have a pair of blue gloves in that um, particular place in his house. Right. And there they were. And okay, his wife, maybe she was using them for, I don't know, flowers or something. Um, and then he's been all these years just taking a pair and going away with Sutherland to someplace below a bridge. And, She's been wondering why are they? Um, I mean, why are they disappearing? So many of them. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and all the excuses he must have come up with, and, and like it's, it's probably the maid. Yeah,
0: right. Um, <laughs> you should really ask Sutherland. Who knows what he's getting into?
1: Yeah, where does he get uh, the blue gloves from? Um, so yeah, sure. I, I think it's it's such a as you say it's a signature signature thing, and, and I'm honored to to even have. Something called a signature.
0: I think it's thing. I think it's just great because like you know there's something like slow and methodical to the way you put those gloves on that like immediately uh, as a viewer you're just like oh god oh no like I remember when he you know beat the snot out of the poor homeless man back in the beginning yeah. of this whole show so when those are coming out you know that you know some some really tense trouble is not far behind.
1: Sure. And and the reason I'd have to say that it looks very meticulous and and very, that he's taken his time is that you can't really force, like, you can't do that fast. Right. Um, Take these gloves because you'll end up, like, breaking them or two fingers in one. Um, So. um, And if Joanne is keeping
0: track of how many there are, like, you can't, you know, you can't just be going through these things, like, you
1: know. Exactly. So, yeah. He's he's worked out a system for it.
0: <laughs> in terms of in terms of a look, uh, you know, I think it's it's fascinating to me that you know when when Terrell comes back to New York City, when we see in that really terrific episode three of this season um, of him coming back and getting ready to meet Elliot, and how important it is to him to be clean shaven and to be wearing his suit and to really look like himself. Uh, just sort of like, you know, you hear that phrase, the clothes make the man, but like it feels like it's really true with this character. In terms of your playing of the character, your performance, how how much does that like just like lock you in to being this guy, just the look of Terrell Wellick?
1: It really does. Um, as you asked me when we started, the, the Bonsoir thing, um, it's, I I don't even... Think about how would he say this or this. I I think to to this character, I think the look, the hair and the clothes, um, it's just such a big, big part of it. Um, And that was it was actually when when we did the beard bearded thing and and all these like other clothes. It was sometimes I was just thinking, well, is this even Terrell? Um, running around in the forest with this like he's sweating and he's like the bearded thing it's like am i even playing terrell is this um so i I question that a lot i think in my head but i'm I'm happy that was season three and so to me like the watch I'm, i'm 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 wearing and and all the clothes it it really makes the character um in a way, it's 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 a lot like stepping into a character. And I know people in the makeup trailer, uh, all the other actors are always laughing because usually I come in, I have this um, hat on because I can I can't have any product in my hair when I come to set. So when I take that off, I, I look like I'm twelve, <laughs> and then and then. The, Someone said, well, you look like a 12-year-old, and then I step into the suit and got the hair, and suddenly it's just someone else, and I'm I'm grateful to have have that. Uh, It really helps.
0: And so when you had the beard, did everyone say you look like a bearded
1: 12-year-old? Yeah, more like a 13-year-old.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes. Like someone who'd been bar mitzvahed Puberty. at Puberty. Yes. Mm. yes. So I know you've, you've said before, like, you felt, you felt, uh, like, uncomfortable with the beard, right? Like, that was, was it, was it a really strange thing to, like, but, but did that help you, like, kind of, like, tap into sort of, like, this foreign place for Terrell, too? Like, what was the, the balance on that?
1: Mm, I think the balance was that I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to do anything with it. Um, like you can't trim it, you can't make it look like just a bit uh, nice. And in terms of being myself, walking around in the city or, or spending time with the family or friends, it's it's. I think it was sort of embarrassing um, meeting people, you know, and not you know. I can't tell everybody like well, I'm I'm growing the beard because I'm I'm doing this thing in season three. It's like people, we we don't even talk about it, and I look like um, a bum. But sure, I think it helped me um, because it it was like it felt like a different character. It felt like he was uh, somewhere else and really adjusted to farm life Um, and, and going into that kind of. Thing he was doing in, in during episode three, so I'm really grateful. Sam and, and production, they wanted me to have a real beard, and I don't know if it's if people do that in in TV, and and I'm super grateful they they took the time for it
0: yeah we've seen some really really crappy fake beards on t v in yeah. you know, over the course of some of these shows so uh if you can get the genuine article, I think that that's that's always the way to go if you could just grow mm-hmm. it yourself uh but also in terms of of shooting it um in terms of the the production so the the stuff with you and the beard that was filmed pretty close to the end of the season is that right
1: no it was it was actually. We did it twice. Okay. Um, we did it, my stuff, some of the stuff, um, let me see, coming into New York City from the farm with the beard and walking into the hotel and the hotel thing, that was my first day on season three. And then we see when I shave um, in, in, uh, um, in the bathroom at the hotel, then I we did a lot of like without the beard stuff, and then we had a break, and then I had to grow the beard back again. So so there's two sometimes, beards. Yeah, two beards. Um, beard number one and beard number two. Yes, and that's what they <laughs> were called on the call sheet. Uh, no, <laughs> oh, such divas those beards. Yeah, I've heard the rumors. Yeah, the divas. He, no, he's in the trailer. He's not coming out. <laughs>
0: Oh my God, that's amazing. You have to have an incredible Wallace Shawn story. I got to imagine seeing him on the show was such a delight, you know, for anyone who has, you know, uh, you know, has watched anything and has seen him, you know, Princess Bride immediately comes to mind and so many other great stories. What was it like working with him uh, and, and getting a chance to have that really amazing scene in episode three?
1: It was it was so much fun. Um, and also, I mean, I was so impressed because... That scene, it's its so incredibly hard for him because he has so many things to do at the same time. He has to do, answer the questions. He has to write the book. He has to t- do the cocaine and all these things. And he has to set the pace. So I was so impressed, by the way, because it's almost like he's running the scene. I'm only answering the questions. and And to me, that was it was incredible to see him just being able to just pacing the scene. Uh, and that was incredible, incredibly helpful to me. Um, just being able to be in it and, and uh, cause it's so quick. Yes. No, did you, did you not know? Right. Um, so that was, yeah, it was, it was so much fun and it was, it was really intense and it took a lot of time and, Um, I mean, like the editing also, the way it's edited, I, I think they did such a good job.
0: Yeah, I, that's been something that's really struck me. Uh, I I've, I've been doing uh or I had been doing weekly conversations with Core with Coradana mm. on on THR and he talks a lot about how um like a lot of the tension that's built into the show comes out from uh, from the editing where there's like a lot of intercutting that happens on the show um, in sequences that isn't necessarily scripted out that way. Where like for example in this finale, um like everything that that's happening in the barn and like the build up to to Leon killing the, the dark army guys. And then Grant getting the call from white Rose was like, I guess like scripted in, in that lane. And then everything with Angela and Philip price is scripted in that lane. And then in the editing room, it's kind of discovered that things are tenser. If you're, if you're crossing, you know, those streams a little bit and seeing both Mm. of those stories happening at once, just fascinating to me. I don't know if you, if you've got thoughts on it of just like how much of this show kind of, You know how it's constantly coming alive, and it almost feels like. And I I think it's it's a it's a compliment. I I hope that like it kind of comes alive right up until uh, like it's still existing and still breathing and still coming to life right up until it's going to air, like pretty close to when it's going to air. It's just sort of fascinating the process of how this show comes together in that way.
1: Absolutely, and I think the the main reason because editing, sound, sound design, and, and like the mixing and everything. Um and every detail, I think so much trickles down from from Sam having a very clear vision of what he wants to do, and then suddenly it all the writers they will pick this um uh, pick it up and 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 Sam too when they're writing, and then it comes down to the to the actors and the camera crew so all this attention to detail i 'm i mean I think we we did something on on um, uh, the new convictura where the, um below red wheelbarrow um, there's a wall you see you see Bobby sitting and talking about Terrell. This is this is your moment to shine. You can do this. That specific wall was designed, uh, and they had a reference to the King's speech. A wall they they saw there. So that wall was made. To look like something like a reference from there, That's and amazing. to me, that yeah, I mean, the attention of detail. We're talking about a TV show. We're doing almost ten hours, <clears throat> and to have that attention to detail in everything. In Gerald, um, uh, who's who's on wardrobe and and helps me with the ties, how meticulous he he, he he's always so like how the tie looks. It's, it's like an, on every position here, it's attention to detail, and I think that's what we see every week, um, and that's the amazing thing about it, like how all these things it comes out, and people care so much for, for their part of the process.
0: Yeah. No, I think that, that that level of craft really really does come through and I think that's one of the things that helps to make this show really stand out. Um just as we're as we're wrapping up here, uh, you know, first of all, you've been so generous with your time. I really appreciate you taking much oh, time pleasure. to talk to us. But like I I would just kind of, you know, the show has been renewed for a fourth season. It's going to be a minute before you guys start rolling on that, but I know the writers' room is open right now. Just in terms of like and and you know nothing, which is which is awesome, but like do you have instincts for for where this is headed for Tyrell? Like do you have instincts for like where you feel, you know, sort of like we've seen like the cosmic justice of this universe in the world of Mr. Robot, where like if you if you make a decision, that decision has an answer, right? Like if you if you choose to do something somehow it's going to it's gonna come back to you and not always in a pleasant way. Uh, do you have a, a sense of, of how this should move for Tyrell? Like I guess like the more direct way of putting it is like does this guy get out of Mr. Robot alive? Should he get out of Mr. Robot alive.
1: <laughs> Well, the thing is, I always have a sense of where this should be going, and it turns out it's always the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm not even going to talk about it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it again. I think the writers, they're so clever, and um, it's its just, I'm just eager to see what's going to happen. Is anything going to happen? Um but i think i've been <clears throat> i've been pretty wrong every time i've been guessing um, which, which I think people should be very glad for.
0: You just need to start guessing like the opposite of what you want to have happen.
1: Um. Yeah, but you know they're so smart they'll do the opposite of the opposite. Right. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and there we go.
0: Cool. All right, Martin. I appreciate you taking the time. I can't wait to see uh, to see season four whenever it comes out. I hope that you're. I hope you're enjoying some. Do you get some time off now? Do you have a project that you're working on right now? Or are you trying to take it a little bit
1: easy? Um, I'm gonna take some. Uh, time off um during christmas and um uh, but in january and then we have i have some projects coming up um i just got back from new york and la um so that'll be interesting to see what what happens and um
0: yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, cool. Well, happy holidays to you, sir. Uh, hope hope those, are, those go swimmingly for you. Uh, congratulations on an incredible season, and thanks for taking so much time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. All right. Bonsoir, Martin. <laughs> Okay, there you have it. Martin Wallstrom, Tyrell Wellick himself here on Poe Show Recaps on the Mr. Robot podcast. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. Really fun conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said at the top of the podcast, we are not done covering Mr. Robot here. We have another podcast, at least one more. Ideally, at least two. uh, Trying to still lock down timing with Cora Adana for one final conversation with him. But Antonio Mazzaro and I are still going to be getting together and doing a deeper dive into the season three finale. So that'll be coming your way in the next few days. Should be recording any day now. Uh, So if you've got questions, if you've got feedback, don't hold it back. Now is the time to submit those questions, those comments, anything that you've got on the season. Get that to us at postshowrecaps.com slash feedback or our email address, Mister Robot at postshowrecaps.com. Subscribe to our show at postshowrecaps.com slash robot to make sure you don't miss out on a single episode. episode so even though we are done with season three we are clearly not done here on the podcast i can't wait to catch up with antonio and i hope you guys have enjoyed these bonus interview podcasts that we've brought your way in the meantime until then take care everybody farewell friends goodbye